This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. Welcome to the free version of the Michael Savage podcast, and I'm going to keep it free for all of you. But there are many of you who would love to be able to listen to my show without any ads. I love ads, but many of you want to listen to the podcast free of ads. So we created something for you, a solution. We call it the Savage Premium. For less than the price of one flat, tasteless beer at your local bar, you can receive access to all of my podcasts going back years ad-free for just $3.99. That's at $3.99 a month. You'll get not only my ad-free podcast, but you will also occasionally receive access to material that is exclusive for members only. And I'm going to give you the list in a minute of what you've, what you've missed. You're going to get an occasional monologue from me, maybe a reading from one of my novels, sneak peeks of interviews before anyone else hears them, archive pieces dating back to 1994. Many things that come up, you're going to get exclusive access to Michael Savage material. Details can be seen on my website, michaelsavage.com. And if you want to join... All you got to do is go to glow.fm and search Savage Premium. That's glow.fm and search Savage Premium. Now, you will always have access to my free weekly podcast. I want to be clear about that. That's my promise to you. But if you want less ads and more Savage, join the Savage Premium Club today and never miss a spoken word of mine. It's glow.fm slash Savage Premium. You can find it on michaelsavage.com. And here's some of the stuff that you have missed so far. Michael Savage reading from his best-selling novel, Countdown to Mecca. My words, my voice. Savage reads from one of his lost journals, Fiji, 1968. Savage's first drive-time show, Hour One. My interview with the Jewish gangster, very popular. I uh, read from my first written, published article, Who Is at the Helm? From 1965, it's heard nowhere but on my premium site. I read passages from my novel, Abuse of Power. Uh, we replayed Fat Al's Tuna. My Savage show from 324.94, the earliest show in the archive, 324.94. My interview with Donald Trump from 110.2011. 110.2011, while Mark Levin was mocking him and Sean Hannity was mocking him uh, and the others were mocking him, I was interviewing Trump much more. And remember, subscribers also get ad-free podcasts every week. The cost is less than a beer at a bar, and you get a better buzz with, with the Savage Premium. So go to, go to glow.fm slash Savage Premium for full access to ad-free podcasts and exclusive sound you'll not hear anywhere else. Thank you very much. We have been very clear throughout. Uh, if any Russian military forces move uh, across the Ukrainian border, 
and uh, commit new acts of aggression against Ukraine, um, that will be met with a swift, severe, united response from the United States and our allies and partners. Welcome to the Michael Savage podcast today. Our title today is No to War in Ukraine, Zero U.S. National Security Interests. It is a complete statement. There are no U.S. national security interests in Ukraine. No war, no war, no war. We just had a disastrous withdrawal from Afghanistan under the psycho in the White House. And now you're going to let him be the commander in chief now and send troops there to die? Do you people have any idea what's going on? Remember when Trump was president every other day, these left-wing jackals were saying we should have mental tests for him, psychological tests for him. Here we have a president who has showing signs, clear signs of pre-senile dementia. It looks like he has tardive dyskinesia and other problems like cursing people. Again, that's something you see in old age homes. And yet he wants war with Russia. And what happened today? Vice President the Giggler, Kamala Harris, warned Russian President Vladimir Putin, oh my God, from invading Ukraine on Tuesday in an interview she gave in Wisconsin. Well, that's a real policy speech. Harris told the so-called Milwaukee Journal Sentinel that if Russia and Vladimir Putin violate the sovereignty and territorial integrity of Ukraine, there's going to be serious consequences. And we're very clear about that, said the giggler. Hmm. Now, it was Biden who first raised the alarm about Ukraine. He even alarmed the Ukrainians after he suggested it was a foregone conclusion that Putin would act to challenge the nation's territorial boundaries. Biden said at a press conference last week, my guess is he will move in. He has to do something. He is dealing with what I believe he thinks is the most tragic thing that's happened to Mother Russia in that the Berlin Wall came down, the empire has been lost, the near abroad is gone, etc. The Soviet Union has been split. Um, But think about what he has. He has eight time zones burning tundra that will not freeze again naturally, a situation where he has a lot of oil and gas, but he is trying to find his place in the world between China and the West. And so I'm not so sure that he has uh, David, I'm not so sure he has uh, is certain what he's going to do. My guess is he will move in. He has to do something. So then the administration moved in to clean up Biden's absurd comments. Even Ukrainian leaders expressed their outrage by Biden's handling of the crisis. For example, news of the State Department ordering family members of embassy staff in Ukraine to leave the country freaked people out, only further signaling the United States was preparing for inevitable hostilities in Ukraine. A source close to the president of Ukraine, Zelensky, told BuzzFeed that Americans were safe. He said, quite frankly, these Americans are safer in Kiev than they are in Los Angeles or any other crime-ridden city in the U.S. (laughs) Probably true. The president refused to answer questions about Ukraine on Monday during an event while he was trying to address inflation. By the way, on inflation... I know a person who said she was paying $3 for chicken last year. Now she's paying 7 And the shelves are empty in her supermarket, by the way. 
What else is in the news? Let me give you the latest news on Ukraine. Well, I just said it to you. Ukraine urges calm, saying Russian invasion not imminent. This was just yesterday. NATO, meanwhile, said it was bolstering its deterrence in the Baltic Sea region. And the U.S. ordered 8,500 troops on higher alert. We don't say where. To potentially deploy to Europe as part of an alliance response force if necessary. I guess they got to get the trannies ready with their special parachutes. Britain said it, too, was withdrawing some diplomats and dependents from its embassy in Ukraine. Meanwhile, at the same time, they're giving a double message saying that there should be calm. Meanwhile, Defense Minister Reznikov in Ukraine said as of today, there are no grounds to believe that Russia is preparing to invade imminently, noting that its troops have not formed what he called a battle group that could force its way through the border. Don't worry. Sleep well, Reznikov said. No need to have your bags packed. Now, his remarks, the defense secretary in Ukraine, came on the heels of multiple reassurances from the president of Ukraine, Zelensky. On Monday, Zelensky told the nation the situation was under control. So what is actually going on? You're going to hear in this podcast what is actually going on. What is actually going on is Russia has clearly said, do not let Ukraine into NATO. Do not deploy missiles aimed at Russia, and we will not invade. It's that simple. Biden could put it to sleep simply by saying, we will not permit Ukraine into NATO. We will not deploy offensive missiles aimed at Russia on Ukrainian soil. That would be the end of it. As it is, it's bad enough there. In 2014, following the ouster of a Kremlin-friendly president in Ukraine, Moscow annexed the Crimean Peninsula, which, by the way, was a part of Russia since the 1600s, and then backed a separatist insurgency in Ukraine's industrial heartland in the east. The fighting between Ukrainian forces and Russia-backed rebels has since cost over 14,000 lives, and efforts to reach a peaceful settlement of this territorial conflict have stalled. And in this latest standoff, Russia has again demanded guarantees from the West that NATO would never allow Ukraine to join and that the alliance would curtail other actions such as stationing troops in former Soviet bloc countries. So there is the beginning of the end. There is the stalemate. It could end if we had a diplomat in the White House or a real Secretary of State instead of these character actors in the Biden administration. And now on to the podcast itself, which is very clear and very explicit. No to war in Ukraine. Zero U.S. national security interests. I'm Michael Savage. Share this podcast with other people who do not want war. Michael Savage, a host like no other. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Have you ever experienced turbulence on a flight and wondered why? And you can see all the terrain around you. Uh, you've got no issue with visibility or anything? No, nah, everything's peachy. Maybe you've sat on the tarmac for hours wondering why your plane isn't moving. Well, we're outside here. They're saying the ramp is closed. They won't let us park because of the uh, Air Force One. 
Listen in on the conversations between pilots and air traffic controllers on the Air Traffic Out of Control podcast. Cybersecurity declaring an emergency. There's smoke in the cabin. I need to make a landing right now on 31 left. We have the most interesting, wild, and funny ATC recordings you will ever hear. Check out Air Traffic Out of Control wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. American citizens, our recommendation is that U.S. citizens currently in Ukraine consider departing now using commercial or other privately available transportation options. Use the online form in our updated travel advisory to tell us their plans so they can best conduct our ongoing contingency planning and register in step to ensure they receive alerts and guidance from the State Department. Uh, we are, uh, we are, there is not an intention uh, for there to be a departure or an evacuation of, of along those lines, uh, so we are conveying to American citizens they should leave now. Okay. And in fact, that there's, not, there's not precedent beyond Afghanistan for that to be how it operates. Today's great podcast is an amazing story. It's pretty clear what I'm saying. Like, hell no, you shouldn't go. I want to play an interview I recorded with Scott McKay about an article he wrote in the American Spectator entitled, Biden Needs a War, Don't Give Him One. You're not kidding. Great interview. We're speaking with Scott McKay. Biden needs a war, don't give him one, American Spectator. But Mr. McKay is publisher of The Hayride, news and commentary on Louisiana national politics. He's also a writer of fiction. We'll talk about that later. The important part now is Biden needs a war and nobody wants to give him one. Mr. McKay, hi, can you hear me? Hey, can you hear me? Yes, sir. Excellent. How's the Cajun shrimp down there? Uh, Well, it's almost crawfish season. (laughs) Actually, it is crawfish season, but they're small. So Uh, we just had a a cold snap through here. So that's going to delay the best time of the year around here for a while. I'll never forget. I visited New Orleans, I think, only once. I loved it. I mean, it was a little risky. We went to the Super Bowl a few years, many years ago. My son got tickets. And I foolishly left at halftime. I got bored of the singer. I thought she was disgusting and vulgar. I just wanted to go home. My son said, Dad, uh, we're all here. How are you going to get her back to the hotel? I said, I'll walk. Oh, okay. So I walk out and some young guy said, you really don't want to walk down through this neighborhood. I said, why? He said, well, let me take you there. I'll take you with a rickshaw. You know those rickshaw drivers? So he told me what the risks were after I got there. I said, thanks for saving my life. (laughs) <laughs> but I love the antiques district. I love the restaurants. I just like the flavor of, of New Orleans. And I guess today's topic is not about fun. I've introduced you as uh, the uh, publisher of The Hayride, which is a news and commentary website. You're also a fiction writer, which we're going to talk about a little later. And we're both concerned, I believe, about Biden's wag the dog war. Right. So I'm going to let you take off in a minute. I have, you know, the questions and all that stuff. But, you know, I try to see both sides of a dispute, and I have since I'm a child, in order to diffuse a dispute. Tell me if you agree with me that what Putin is demanding to me doesn't seem unreasonable. Putin has said he will not invade Ukraine if the United States and Europe does not include Ukraine and NATO and put missiles on his border pointed at Russia, basically. If he said, if you don't do that, I won't invade. And yet we hear the dunce in the White House getting troops ready to go. Today we woke up, Scott, and we read that he may put U.S. troops in Ukraine. What do you make of that? Well, I cannot see uh, a scenario where we actually put troops into conflict on Russia's border with Ukraine. I mean, to me, that is 
such an abjectly idiotic idea and serves zero American national interest. Having said that, I didn't see any American national interest served in what we did in Libya either. So Mm. it's, you know, I mean, I'm saying this, but I got to at least qualify it to some extent. I don't know. I hear you. We we had. We had other wag the dog wars. We had several oh, of them. Kosovo and, and I mean, sure. When we, Clinton, we Kosovo, Iraq. We had G.W. Bush, too. Many people say it was unnecessary war. Right. And Obama with Libya. When they got in political trouble, they go to the tried and true solution, which is bang the war drums and kill American men. I, I, I think that that's, you know, I, that's no longer a conspiracy theory or a fanciful, you know, story anymore. I mean, the, the, there is a pattern here that, you know, can't be discarded. No. You know, to me, what I like, I, I think it's fairly obvious the long term um, uh, aim that Putin has is Putin wants to resurrect. Uh, the old Soviet Union and the, and the, the Warsaw Pact. Now, right. can he do that? Probably not. But he wants to get as many of those pieces together as he right. can. And Ukraine, you know, is is part of that. So well, uh, before we go, I want the average listener to understand that Ukraine is not really a nation. It's an amalgamation of areas, isn't it? I mean, when did it become a nation? It, it's I mean, it, it's got a spotty history as an independent country for sure. Um, you know, Ukraine's borders were essentially set by the Soviet Union. Um, and so there's, you know, there's a lot to this. And the big thing to understand about the Ukrainians is that they're not worth fighting for. These guys, you know, ever since the very beginning of the foundation of that country, where, you know, we cut this deal where we would guarantee their safety in return for them turning in what at the time was the what fourth or fifth largest nuclear stockpile. Um, and then we actually. But wait, that stockpile of nuclear weapons was put there by Mother Soviet Union. Correct. When Ukraine, when Ukraine was part of the Soviet Union, they put missiles there in order to Correct. threaten Europe. Correct. Okay. People don't know any of this, Scott. Right. Um, but I mean, the thing to understand about Ukraine is it is one of the most corrupt countries on earth. More than, um, worse than ours? I mean, Burisma oil? <laughs> well, yeah, we've actually, I was going to get to that. We have actually embedded ourselves into Ukraine's corruption, largely thanks to the Bidens, but not just to the Bidens. There, you know, there's a, and I, you know, I don't know how many people know this, but there's a foreign aid scam that's been going on in this country for a very long time, which is we will give you, you know, whatever, hundreds of millions of dollars of foreign aid, billions of dollars, whatever it is. And it goes through contractors who all have offices in Washington, D.C. And essentially, it's a money laundering operation mm. that a lot of your Washington establishment folks, Democrats, um, I think John McCain's family has has a piece of one of these. Oh, things God. As well. I mean, so like the whole thing and, you know, Trump, one of the reasons crap. Trump got in so much trouble over Ukraine uh, was not that he did anything bad where, where Ukraine was considered. It was that when we were going to do military aid to the Ukrainians, Trump went straight to one of the defense contractors, bought it, and then sent the stuff over there rather than using one of these contracts. So well, your, your article talks about a number of things, in, and it's in the um, spectator.org. And I think we should focus on this because people don't know much about Ukraine, and a lot of them are mistaken. I see it on my social media where they say, well, didn't we promise Ukraine we'd come to their aid? I said, what do you mean we promised? It was we, three people uh, around Biden's 
family. Uh, I want to go back to JFK for one minute because people need to see context. And I'd like to see what you think about this again. Putin has said, don't move missiles into Ukraine aimed at us and we will not invade. He's very clear on that. Uh, didn't JFK threaten Russia unless they remove missiles from Cuba? Yes. People have to understand there's national integrity, national interests and um, national security interests. If the Soviet Union or Russia today were to move missiles to Cuba, it would be the same thing as us saying we're moving missiles into Ukraine through NATO or through whoever, pointed at Russia. So it's very provocative. I mean, you have to ask yourself, I think we're provoking Russia. I don't think Russia's provoking us. Now, they're putting troops on the border. They claim it's a defensive move. I don't want to you know, be naive and not agree with you about his desire to expand Russia into a bigger Russia, into the former you know, Soviet empire. Right. I, everyone knows that that's what his intention has been from the beginning. But there are national security interests. Would we tolerate, for example, missiles in Mexico? People no, don't understand. Ukraine borders Russia. This is a landmass. I mean, what if Mexico said we're lining up with China? We want to put missiles on the border with Mexico aimed at the United States. What the hell would we do? I, I mean, you know, it's that's the kind of thing that we've, you know, send the troops in. Right. Um, and, I, you know, that you could look at this as a certain reverse of the Cuban Missile Crisis. Right. Vis a vis America and, and Russia. Um, and I don't know that that's totally um, inaccurate. I, I, ultimately, I can tell you what Putin's endgame is, and it popped kind of over the weekend. Right. Hmm. With this, you, these reports that, you know, the Russians have been trying to put together uh, you know, the the uh, the elements of a coup that would install a pro-Russian government in Ukraine, which I think you would probably have. But for some of the things we've done over the course of time, um, you know, like we staged a color revolution in Ukraine back in what was that? 2013, 2014, I want to say, um, and got rid of. Uh, a pro-Russian uh, Ukrainian premier and, and elected uh, a regime that ultimately was, you know, was basically a puppet regime for the Obama administration and really did a whole bunch of foreign aid to them that got washed through the D.C. crowd. Um, you know, and, and part of that corruption had to do with the whole Burisma thing and Hunter Biden and, you know, the big guy getting his cut and all this kind of stuff. We really agreeing that it looks to us that the Biden family is on the take with Ukraine. Well, they were on the take with Ukraine. That's with it beyond a shadow of a doubt. That's, con that's still con on the take. That's confirmed. That's confirmed. Yeah. Right. So they have financial interests. OK, Germany just threw a wrench in the Ukrainian defense and they blocked the transfer of Soviet made howitzers over the weekend. I'm sure you saw that. And, and Germany basically says they want the U.S. not involved. They want to make it a European Russian problem. Correct. Correct. And I think the French have done something very similar to that. Huh. So I like here's the thing. How would you if you were to put troops in Ukraine to try to stop this guy from evade, how would you even get them there? <laughs> like I like, you know. Like how? I mean, how he can sacrifice the hundred and first airborne and fly him in? I mean, I guess, but I, you know, the thing is, is forget about whether this is in America's interest to Zero. get involved. It's not. Zero. I don't even think it's doable. If you try to do this, I mean, you're essentially gonna, you're essentially gonna, 
be restricted to air attacks against Russians who are coming across that border. Well, that's and you're going to lose pilots when you do that. Scott, that's what worries me. They're going to waste Russian boys and men, human lives, and nothing will be achieved. This almost looks to me in some ways as a weird repeat of World War I, which started quite by accident over some territorial moves and ego moves. And there was real no national interest in World War I. And then it got out of control. And now we have a, a very, very dangerous man in the White House who is unstable. He's becoming more unstable by the day. His gait is that of a person with pre-senile dementia. And I've studied this. Okay. I don't rejoice in the floundering of this pre-senile demented president of ours. And we have a group behind him that's been salivating for war with Russia. I remember Hillary was calling for war with Russia eight years ago. Why did the Democrats have such a hard on for Russia? It's it's a very strange uh, thing. I don't know what the the um, the genesis of that is, uh, because, you know, back when they were the Soviets and not the Russians, uh, the Democrats were pretty friendly to them. Um, I know. And then, you know, all of a sudden, uh, you know, somebody's rice bowl got broken when uh, when the Cold War ended and, and they you know decided they didn't like Russia. We'll be right back after this. The Savage Nation. It's Savage On Demand. Invading Ukraine from a from a Russian perspective is going to be a painful, violent and bloody business. And I think it's very important that people in Russia understand that this could be a new Chechnya. I've been to, to Ukraine several times. I've, I've, I, I know uh, the people of that country uh, a bit. And my judgment is that they will fight. And really, uh, that is not the way the world should be going. We're back with Scott McKay. I don't understand the Democrats' desire for war other than money. But I've done a little list here, Scott, of U.S. presidents in chronological order and their wars. And we know that the Democrats have gone to war quite often, you know, going back to FDR, World War II, you could justify that was a very justifiable war or else Hitler would have taken over the world. No one could argue with that one. Right. But then you had Eisenhower, Cold War with the Soviet Union. JFK really escalated us in Vietnam. Was It was JFK, according to what I've seen. Right. LBJ, Democrat, escalated and involved in Vietnam. Uh, Nixon got us out of Vietnam. And he's called a warmonger, but he's a and, and he would have won Vietnam if the Democrats had just given a little bit of military aid to South Vietnam in the mid 70s. And if they put a Walter Cronkite in, a, in an icebox for a couple of years before. OK, so we know what Clinton did, Bill Clinton. Um, we know the Persian Gulf War, too, with Iraq was continued. Serbia versus Herzegovina. We had no business there. No, I think you, we were on the wrong side. Oh, of my God. It killed me for when they were bombing. When Clinton was bombing the Serbs, I was on the radio for 78 straight days, almost crying on the radio, screaming. I said they were our allies in World War Two. They rescued our airmen when they were shot down over German lines. Why are you bombing the Serbs? There was no reason for it. And then I wrote an article years later in 1998 called The Oily Tracks Run Through Kosovo. Again, it was an oil pipeline that I think had something to do with it. So it's not really limited to Democrats. It's it's any president who gets in trouble seems to uh, go to war because the people will tend to rally behind a leader in a time of war. And also, we'd all be afraid to say anything against 
uh, him. If we had troops on the ground, we'd be afraid to say something for fear we, we would be called collaborators with the enemy. It's a good way to silence the opposition in America, isn't it? Right. Yeah, it is. And I mean, look, if the war is even remotely honorable, I think, you know, the the uh, the reticence to criticize the government in a time of war is I mean, that that on its face is a good thing. The problem is, is that when the war is not honorable and when the war does not serve natural national interests at all, like in in the case of Ukraine, um, you know, it, it flips everything on its head. I you know, know. And, and like that's why in my piece, one of the things I mean, I closed with, hey, Congress needs to do something about the War Powers Act. I was so going to ask Joe you, Biden is not the guy. That, where is that the War Powers decision. Act? Where is that? You wrote it again. We're speaking with someone who studied this in great detail. Scott McKay. He knows it's a wig the, the dog scenario. We know it's because Biden's falling into a trench that he, of his own making. But the fact is, we shouldn't be snickering about this because now we're very close to a catastrophe. So um, you say inflation at a 40 year high. Maybe don't drop trillions of dollars out of helicopters while instituting piles upon piles of regulatory abuse while paying people not to work and you wouldn't have a problem. You'll find this politically poisonous as it is intractable when your administration is full of malevolent economic illiterates. Well put, Scott. Thank you. Then you talk about supply chain troubles, trying to blame it on truckers. But it's no, it's his supply train. It's the vaccination disaster. It's the mask disaster. It's the fact that he's not brought COVID under control while basically using that COVID thing as an excuse to trounce Trump with a little help from Wolf Blitzer. You say none of these events seem to be the major cataclysm which finishes Biden off which provides the final scene to the third act of this American version of Macbeth. I love that line. The scary thing is we haven't come up against that item yet, and there are three years left for us to do so. Yeah, yeah, three more years for Macbeth to play it out. So this is only one of the bad things that could happen. He is becoming more unstable. He is becoming more dangerous. How do we stop him? We don't have a War Powers Act anymore, do we? I mean, we have authorization for use of military force that seems to be plenary at this point. And, and like to me, that's the number one thing that needs to be done right now is for Congress to retake uh, control over this situation and say, look, you are not going to send troops in unless we declare war against somebody, All which right, is so- how we did this for yeah. years and years and years. Why? OK, so I would say, oh, fine. Where are the Republicans? Where is the outrage? There aren't any. Mitch Mitch McConnell's in favor of McConnell's in favor of this. The Washington establishment absolutely is. But and I haven't seen polling on this, but I guarantee you, you start polling Republican constituents, constituencies, much less Democrat constituencies. You will find zero support for this. Zero. Okay. Well, a few I mean, fo- you know, you may get the 10, 15 yeah, percent, the food whatever, but don't I don't mean, know what it, it is. Right. Yeah. I mean, this is this is a two to one negative issue with um, with the public. And, you know, I mean, I saw a couple of days ago, you know, Michael McCall from Texas is, you know, oh, we got to do something. And oh. I'm like, you're going to lose a Republican primary. Absolutely. This spring if you push this right. and it turns into, you know, a, a bloodbath in Ukraine. The reason Bush lost to Obama is because of the war. Obama was an anti-war figure yes. in 08, and there's no question that that was 
Yes. Um, that was the public's uh, preference, right? I mean, they, they, we, were, we had had it with Iraq. We were done. We Actually, at that point, we'd had it with Afghanistan as well. It has to be removed. Um, you know, but I mean, look, uh, the, you know, the public doesn't have a great tolerance for military action. We never did. America because never we haven't won a war since 1945. I know. I know. It's horrible. I mean, I, you know, at this point, and it, I mean, this you know, general, this this joint no, chief, we, he's been looking for. We're going to bomb them with pregnant pilots in the new flight suits that we have. Well, I, I don't mean, know if they'll like, fit. But but you know, Scott, we can all have a lot of fun with this. Like it's a Mad Magazine story. Unfortunately, it's not. Right. You know, Rick Grinnell is a great guy. I don't know. You know who he is, of course. Sure. Former ambassador to Germany, Rick Connell, he said to Newsmax, he said, Ukraine disaster has only terrible and bad choices. The reality is that the leaders of Russia and China and a whole bunch of other places smell weakness. We don't have a handle on the numbers who were left behind in Afghanistan. Everyone's forgotten what a terrible commander in chief this creeper is. He cut and ran out of Afghanistan, leaving people behind, creating a rape epidemic, a crime epidemic, like in the streets of New York. Who the hell is pulling the strings on him right now? Germany's new chancellor, Olaf Scholz, snub Biden. The French and the Germans are going to organize with the Russians and the Ukrainians on their own. So who's pushing Biden to make this disastrous error, not for himself, but for the nation and the boys of this nation? Who do you think is behind it? You know, I I don't, I, don't want to say, I don't want to say they, right? But, yeah. you know, the, the scary thing about all this is I don't think any of us really know. Nobody right? knows. I mean, you can look at Ron Klain, who's the chief of staff. And, of course, Ron Klain's not his own man. He's a, a, a unreconstructed Obama. Dunce. He's a, a puppet. Yeah, that's right. The and whole administration, Scott, the whole administration are Obama retreads. That's correct. The secretary- I was going to mention Susan Rice, who's oh, another The secretary of-, of hate. This Scott Blinken looks like a weakling from from uh, Columbia University. Right. He's there trying to stare down Russia. And it's not working, obviously. Um, you know, and I mean, these are the people that actually tried to put a good face on what happened in Afghanistan. And, oh, you know, I, of course, that trashed Biden's approval ratings, but it did more than that. Like you mentioned, it brought all of the rest of the world into the realization of what we actually had. You know, and, and this is the first of probably many uh, prices to pay for that. Right. I mean, I, you know, there's well, no way for us. Scott, to win listen, if we send troops there, what are they going to do? Get into a combat situation, combat situation with Russian troops. They're going to get in a combat situation with Russian heavy infantry. Heavy we infantry. have enough tanks that we can put in a Ukraine to compete with what Russia Russia's got their whole army that they're bringing in. Okay. They're bringing tanks, heavy equipment, heavy guns, big, big, big howitzer type. Of, it's, so it's, can, I mean, it's not easy to match that kind of hardware when you have to airlift everything from across the ocean. I don't even know if we can bring it in from Germany. I don't know if the Germans will let us. Well, wait a minute. Germany said they do not want Ukraine receiving military support from the Baltic nation of Estonia because Estonia wanted to send weapons that originally came from Germany to Ukraine. But Germany, which has also refused to share any of its weapons with Ukraine refused. I'm Michael Savage, back in a minute. The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. We're back with more with Scott McKay from the American Spectator. So who is now going to assist Ukraine 
other than these countries? I, I don't know. I honestly couldn't tell you. I don't know that it's in anybody's national interest to fight Russia over Ukraine or to support Ukraine. Right. When so, the, like, let, wait, let me let me do it. Let's remember, OK, that the Ukrainians meddled in the 2016 election on behalf of the Democrat Party. Let's remember that. OK, mm-hmm. the Ukrainians were involved. All right. They meddled in our internal affairs. There's zero reason why we should reward that by defending them against Russia. Um, the Ukrainians didn't play a positive role in this business with the Trump impeachment back in, in 2019. That was, you know, I mean, I, you know, that was of, of little value to our country as well. We have gotten nothing out of our relationship with Ukraine. There is there is no reason for us to look at. at these- but they gave us the, they gave us the Poroshki. That's the important thing. We've got to remember that the Poroshki, for that, but- the Poroshki came from Ukraine. That's the important part. My mother used to make them with potatoes and onions. They were delicious. <laughs> uh, I have to thank the Ukrainian people for that recipe. Again, I want to go back to the big picture, Scott, before we lose you know, the big picture. And we haven't lost it. To avoid war, Biden just says Ukraine will not join NATO, will not put missiles on your border. End of story. It's over. And I want to remind the listeners that we go back to Kennedy versus Khrushchev, Cuban Missile Crisis. Kennedy looked like the big winner. He stared down Khrushchev. They removed the missiles. But what what most people don't know, and I have to repeat this again, is that in secret, the United States agreed that it would dismantle all of the Jupiter MRBM missiles, which have been deployed in Turkey against the Soviet Union. It's, It's akin to what's going on now. We had put missiles in Turkey aimed at the Soviet Union. Khrushchev said, you want our missiles out of Cuba? We'll take them out, get them out of Turkey. JFK right. secretly did that to save face. He didn't. The media didn't let anyone know about that. Right. Right. What the hell is Putin asking for? That's not reasonable. I don't understand how anyone could see it any other way. Well, you know, now, do you take his current ask out of context with what everybody knows is his overall aim? And I don't have a great handle on how to answer that. Yes, I agree that the whole idea of no missiles in Ukraine and Ukraine not being part of NATO, I think that that is a reasonable ask. Um, You know, does he roll the tanks into Ukraine anyway when everybody agrees that they're not going to do anything? And that's fair. Okay, like I get that. But at the end of the day, the question is, is what is our national interest? That's what I keep asking. You know, we don't have any interest in Ukraine. Now, if this was Poland, who is a legitimate American ally, I think it might be a different story. And maybe this you could do the domino theory. And I, I hate to. OK, oh, God, we're, ba- we're back in Vietnam again. Exactly. Um, Ukraine today, France tomorrow. Well, you know, the thing of it is, is that if the Ukrainians were doing any good in their country, uh, you know, Russia wouldn't mess with them because they'd be too strong. I mean, OK, this isn't just the weakness of the United States at work here. This is Ukraine's weakness. Putin knows that government will fall if he puts enough pressure on it, and then he gets to control the next government in Ukraine. Okay. Scott McKay wrote, Biden needs a war. Don't give him one. I agree with him, which is why we're talking. And you wrote this. What do tyrants do when their ship is sinking and more accurately when they realize that their house of cards will not hold up? They divert their populace by starting a war or at least allowing one to happen. War isn't simply a way of diverting attention either. The very fact of a war emergency makes it far easier to erode or negate whatever civil liberties still exist. Think Patriot Act 
that is very chilling, Scott. And you know and I know that this administration would like to silence all of the dissidents in this country. And I don't say critics. I say dissidents. We are like the dissidents in the Soviet Union. Those of us who disagree with this criminal administration are now more like the Solzhenitsyns than we are like anything else in this country right now. We've been marginalized on every front. And we also have the Russian-European border issue, the South China Sea and Taiwan. And the fact of the matter is, if this plays out wrong, Taiwan's next, wouldn't you think? Probably. Oh I, would say, I would say so. Actually, if this plays out wrong, and I, and I mentioned this in the piece, um, and nobody knows this because nobody's paid attention to Guyana since Jim Jones's deal back in the 70s, <laughs> but they found an enormous amount of oil just off the coast of, of Guyana. Oh, yeah. Not far from the Venezuelan border. Now, right. ExxonMobil is, is down there developing this, this oil field, and they think it's going to put out 120,000 barrels of oil per day. The Venezuelans claim the, the, uh, the area where this, is, uh, where this is being done, and Maduro has threatened to invade Guyana um, to settle the problem. And they've been at this for a couple of years, you know, back and forth diplomatically without any resolution to it. Um, you know, and who's backing Venezuela these days? The Russians. So this is going to go wrong in Ukraine some sort of way. And the next thing you can watch is Venezuela going after Guyana. The Guyanans can't defend themselves. They only have 800,000 people in the whole country. You mean just for the oil fields, right? Yeah, well, I mean, Venezuela needs some kind of way to do hard currency, right? I mean, like that, that they're, you know. That, yeah, that, that's from the Mullen piece collapse. that you quote. It's a hell of an article on the Mullen piece. I agree. I agree with you on that. But I want to know where are the Republicans who are speaking out against it? Let's just get practical for a minute, Scott. I have not seen any Republicans say no. I've seen the Republicans say yes. Uh, the number one cheerleader for this has been Mitch McConnell. He's a very corrupt individual in my estimation. Yep. His wife is from a Taiwanese shipping family, which has something to do with everything, by the way. War is very good for business, especially sure. if you need ships to carry troops and ships to carry equipment. Uh, who's going to get the contract? Old Mitch is going to get the contract. So we are really in trouble in this country right now. What can the people do, Scott? The answer for my position is nothing. I think the thing to do is to start calling your uh, your congressman, call your senator and say, uh, you have got to put a stop to this. And not only that, the number one thing is you have got to pass, or at least if Republicans need to bring legislation and make the Democrats uh, vote it down, that would prevent this, that would deny Biden the authorization for use of military force in Ukraine. Because, you know, he says, well, you know, we're not going to do anything. And yet the wheels are turning. So the thing to do is to call your congressman and say, hey, this is not acceptable. We are not going to go to war. I'm so jaundiced on congressmen. My congressman is Nancy Pelosi. Scott, my congressman is Nancy Pelosi. She's only analyzing what kind of money she can make off this deal. Oh, that's deal. exactly right. And I mean, Feinstein's already probably lined up some short selling somewhere on it with her wonderful husband. Probably. So. I live in the Michael. Muscle. I don't. I don't suggest that you call your congressman. <laughs> I you need to call somebody else's congressman. <laughs> I'd have to call a Texas <laughs> congressman if I could find one. Yeah, I mean, but I, you know, I, I think if there is some sort of public, uh, you know, demonstrable public opposition to us getting involved in Ukraine, while Joe Biden is our commander in chief. Um, you know, I, I think it's I mean, this is an election year. Who wants to be who wants to be left holding it's the bag wrong. when Ukraine turns in Afghanistan? Right. It's I mean, all you wrong. Know. 
So we've gone from wag the dog to something worse. And now today we hear you look at the top of the news today. It's Biden hints at bringing sending troops into Ukraine. Unbelievable. It's actually getting worse, not better. Another war is brewing. We're speaking with Scott McKay. And Scott, before you go, I noticed that in addition to your Hayride, it's a website, correct? Correct. Hayride.com. I'm going to have the to check it. Yeah. News and commentary in Louisiana. Huh? Yeah, we're, I'm here in Baton Rouge. So, yeah, we're kind of like the, the conservative site here in Louisiana. And we, we do Texas and some of the other southern states as well. It says you're a writer of fiction, three tales of Ardenia novels, Animus, correct. Perdition, and Retribution. Yep. What What do you mean, tales of Ardenia? Well, Who's, it's a it's a series of uh, of books. I I uh, you know, the thing about doing sort of a, a alternative history fantasy type stuff is that you can kind of uh, you can do a lot of social commentary that's not explicit, right? So this was an outlet for me to do that. Uh, I, I set up a. Uh, uh, a scenario where you have two countries on the same continent. One of them essentially is what happens if you give the campus left uh, control of a society for for hundreds of years. Uh, oh you get a you get a super backward uh, you know country with no private property and no nuclear families, and they tend to be a little dysfunctional. And their neighbors are sort of a gilded age you know, United States or Great Britain. And then, you know, what naturally happens is a war. And this is sort of an epic. Right. One, actually, one of the Amazon reviewers of the first uh, uh, book, Amazon, said this was a cross between At- Atlas Shrugged and Game of Thrones uh, as a uh, as a story. So that was I wish you a lot of luck with that one. And you also have a project called The Speakeasy, right. a free speech social and news app with benefits. What is that equivalent of a Twitter or a it, it, it plays a little like a Facebook, except that we don't censor anybody. Um, and it's, uh, you know, it's it's kind of a, uh, a a collegial community at this point of folks that talk about, uh, you know, practically everything under the sun. But a lot of, you know, the news of the day, hmm. um, and, you know, and everybody loves it because we don't cancel anybody and we don't um, you know, we don't term things, hate speech and do all this kind of stuff. And you know what the great part of this is? People behave really well on the speakeasy because they get treated like adults. Isn't that something? And we're also not capturing anybody's uh, personal information. Uh, and you're not, support, you're not supported secretly by, by China interests, as is Getter. I nope. try to warn people when everyone's running to Getter, when we found out who was behind Getter. Yep. I said, you people are like lemmings rushing over the cliff from Twitter. So I see what's going on. It's pretty bad. Folks, look, folks want an alternative to Facebook and Twitter really, really badly. But, you know, those alternatives are out there. You just got to find them. And, you know, we built one and we'll see what happens with it. It's only been around for about a year. Biden needs a war. Don't give him one. The author is Scott McKay. He's talking about the wag the dog scenario that is looming larger as the Biden vortex deepens. We can check it out where it's spectator.org. Where else is that Correct. article? Uh, yeah, Scott? spectator.org is, is where you'll find it. We'll put it up on my site as well. Scott, thanks for being with us, and I wish you the best sure. of luck with your novels. and Thanks, Michael. With your social media site. Yeah, thanks a lot. Take care. Bye now. Bye-bye. Home of Borders, Language, Culture, The Savage Nation. I know many of you do not catch Newsmax TV on a regular basis. For those of you who missed it, I'm going to replay my recent appearance about Biden's wag the dog war with Ukraine. Tell me what you think. I'm Michael Savage.
Joining me now is Dr. Michael Savage of the show, the Michael Savage Show podcast. I'm so excited to see you, doctor, because you definitely have everything it takes to talk about Joe Biden. Give us your take on where things are at right now with this president. Jesse, Jane, thanks for having me. Look, all the failures that you mentioned about Biden are true. But my fear is the worst is yet to come. He's laid the groundwork for a wag the dog war with Russia over Ukraine. Everything you mentioned is correct. The the dementia, the runaway inflation, the media fascism, the corrupt education unions, the open southern border. It's all true. But he's laid the groundwork and he's becoming more unstable and more dangerous. We should not rejoice at his floundering and his pre-senile dementia. Anyone who's had a relative a grandmother, a mother, a father in an old age home or an assisted living and has gone there. It's going to rip your heart out. This guy has pre-senile dementia. So what's going to happen? This is what's dangerous. We could see another war is brewing and it's all wag the dog for the media. Uh, Clinton used Kosovo, wag the dog. G.W. Bush used Iraq. Obama used Libya. So what's this all about? What it's all about is another Cuban Missile Crisis. Now, what is Russia saying? I think, Jesse, we have to look at what Russia is saying to the other side of this coin here. All they're saying is, do not let Ukraine into NATO and put missiles on our border. Isn't that equivalent to the Cuban Missile Crisis? It is. So how did that get resolved? We only know half the story. Uh, We think Kennedy was the big winner here. Well, of course, he made Khrushchev remove the uh, missiles from Cuba, which was a big win for JFK. But secretly and behind closed doors, the United States had to agree to remove the Jupiter MRBMs that had been deployed in Turkey, again pointed at the Soviet Union. This is a repeat of history all over again. So what I'm saying, Jesse, is that Putin has just said, don't move missiles to Ukraine and will not invade. So why are we now provoking Putin into invading when the solution is to not let Ukraine into NATO and don't put missiles on Putin's border. And I think things will calm down. At least that's my point of view. I am anti-war. We don't need another war right now, do we? Oh, I th- listen, uh, Dr. Savage, you may know that I served in the Marine Corps 20 years. And to know God that the entire time of, well, thank you, uh, the entire time of my enlistment, there was an entire war going on. And you look back and think it took how long to get it resolved. It's it's embarrassing. It's, it's, it's a disrespect to the military. It's a disrespect yes. to all the parents who lost their loved ones. And yes. I want to talk about something yesterday that personally offended me, personally mm. actually offended me for him to say that he makes no apology for what happened with Afghanistan, knowing that 13 U.S. service members died and kissed the face of God in an instant, and not to mention the 20-some-odd service members that had traumatic brain injury or lost limbs because he couldn't secure that perimeter. What is your take on him just talking about the cost of Afghanistan and not acknowledging what everybody knew happened that day? First of all, as a service member, I respect your opinion tremendously. But you know that there is a cost in blood when you have politicians shooting off their mouths like this, talking about war with Russia like it's nothing. What does he want to do? Use tactical nuclear weapons against the Russian troops? And what do you think they're going to do? And by the way, if he does that, China's going to move on Taiwan at the same time that Iran will move against Israel. It's a, it's a, it's a house of cards. It's a domino effect waiting to happen. And again, We have an unstable, pre-senile, 
individual in the White House. It's a very dangerous time, and we have to back him off this situation. So the question is, what do we, the people, say? And by the way, people saying, oh, it's only the Democrats. They're wrong. Many Republicans have already lined up with Biden. They're salivating. You know better than I that we have already sent over $600 million in military equipment to Ukraine. That's actually an open fact. So they're making a fortune. Beware the military-industrial complex one, General Dwight D. Eisenhower. And we're watching it unfold right in front of our eyes. That's why you don't hear any opposition from the Republicans, Jesse. All we hear is, yeah, yeah, let's go attack Russia. I can't believe what I'm listening to these Republicans. When Trump was in power, we had a man of peace because he was a businessman who knew that war was bad for business, unless you were in the war business. He did everything he could. He brought peace to the Middle East. He decelerated the war with uh, Russia. He stopped the, the nonsense talk that Hillary had engaged in. And the fact of the matter is we had peace on Earth under Trump. Right now, it looks like we're on the verge of World War I, which could become World War III. And why the Republicans are going along with it is very clear. Money, money, money. So the Dems want war to get Joe off the, the nut here, that the House of Cards has fallen down, so the American people will always rally behind as commander-in-chief during a time of war. And they know that. It's been going on for a long time. Look back oh, to yes. Franklin Del Delano Roosevelt. You're 100%. You're 100 percent, Dr. Michael Savage. We ran out of time, but I want to tell you, everything you said was spot on. There's been profit in war, and that's such a disrespect to the men and women who have lost their lives. So thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you very much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it and learned something from it. We have about 400 other episodes available for you to listen to absolutely free. You can go back into our vast library of podcasts and listen to any one of them at any time. And remember this, if you want to listen to my podcast ad-free, sign up for the Savage Premium Membership and get access to ad-free podcasts as well as some premium content from our Savage Archives. How do you sign up for those ad-free podcasts? Please visit michaelsavage.com for a link. Again, thank you for your listenership. This is Michael Savage.